Yeah. Yeah. Coming to you every week from Sydney and Melbourne. It's full disclosure. The Jono and Dorge Podcast. Jono and Dorge. Full disclosure in the raw. Raw, raw, raw. Jono and Dorge. Full disclosure. No holds barred. Okay, welcome to Full Disclosure Episode 7. Rawr, rawr, rawr. That's right. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting to be back. Uh, sorry about the delay. Uh, episode 6 will be just hitting the waves just before we release this one. Um, but there's been some rather large developments in our worlds, haven't there, Jono? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we, we, we were in the same state for a little while, and that was super fun, George. Yeah, it was. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. I I kind of fucked you over a couple of times accidentally, and... and um... <laughs> These things happen. It felt really bad about it. I left you in an Uber. It was just tricky. It was no. It was just a tricky time because I'm moving house at the same time John came up, so it can be a bit tricky trying to coordinate your stuff. Unfortunately, but we we got a lot done. We still had did a lot of great. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really really fun. Good to be back in Sydney and still still bloody hot up here, mate. Still about oh. uh, close to thirty degrees every day. You're yeah. fucking shitting me, are you? It's, yes. It's, it's 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 sorry about the language. Uh, it's raining. It's raining. It's, wow. it's gone to full winter. It's gone. There's some wistful looks from John's direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Towards Sydney, I had a great time. I had a great time, uh, and I think objectively, I mean, this kind of screws up the whole premise of the podcast. But objectively, I think if I didn't have all my advantages in Melbourne with family and friends and that kind of thing and MCC membership, maybe Sydney's a better city. So, I mean, huge call. Yeah, not conceding yet, but it was a it was a magical weekend, surrounded by great mates, cards, magical Labrador retrievers, and basketball at a bar with a DJ set playing behind us and a couple of frothy frosty cold Brooklyns in in pints and it was it was doesn't get much better than that my old friend I've returned to that place a couple of times since you've gone <laughs> <laughs> it's you actually double not... timing bastard who, who are you watching basketball with now mate by myself mate I was sitting there I, yesterday I had guacamole so I feel guilty about you streaming from their wi-fi without buying enough stuff so I bought guacamole followed up with buffalo wings smashed away a pint and then I've moved on to hitting a, a large bottle of San Pellegrino as well as I watch and that managed to draw that out through a whole game but the problem is at the end, the bill was like $55, which is pretty expensive <laughs> for just watching a game of basketball. And but, yeah, you should be doing squats at timeouts because that's a very, that's a fattening, fattening me up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you can say, yeah. oh yeah. But uh, so if you get enough, out of the way, I just, I just on. watched the, um, the trailblazers today, um, a, a day late as I often do. And I'm sorry, mate, that was, Ugh. I thought you were going to get him. That, that hurts. But yeah, look, it really hurts because home court advantage, no more. That's it. Nullified. Mm, I'm really rooting for you guys. Well, it'd be more nullified. If we lose game two, then it'll be oh, problems aplenty. Imagine if we get go out in straight sets. Stay positive. You, I don't think you'll lose. I think the soccer mums will, will get you over the edge this time. They, they both underperformed, your, your two stars, so I think they'll come back. Yes, although the talk from everyone, and I know you get a bit stroppy about this, is that CJ's been underperforming now for about three or four months, so it's a real concern. He's got this weird mantra book that he's reading. I can't remember the title. It's called The State of Being. He says where he's, he never gets too high or never too low. He just goes for feeling nothing at all times. But it's kind of annoying because he's just jacking up bad shot after bad shot and just looking like it's totally unaffected 
and he's not changing his game. He's just jacking up and shooting like three from 18 consistently. It's a bit like you. What do you mean? Well, that's just keeping a lid on emotions. Yeah, but I don't jack up shot ups. <laughs> I played yesterday. If anything, I don't jack it up enough. We can segue. We can segue because I learned a lot on this, this um, Sydney trip. Dear uh, listeners, uh, another great thing about Sydney, and then unfortunately there was a buy this week, but Dorge has started um, a basketball team called the Snow Leopards. Mm. And uh, yeah, you, I heard about your last game of the season. Dorge came <laughs> half an hour late for the game, leaving... <laughs> Four snow leopards on five. Did, did the opposition have a bench or did the opposition just have five players? Uh, the opposition had a bench as well. <laughs> they had a bench. They should have given you one of their players. But then Dorge turned up and, you know, he was in huge trouble with his his what was it, his pride of leopards. I guess he was just playing under pressure. And didn't you score 10 points in 10 minutes? I did. Yeah. yeah. Two threes? Yes. Two for yes. two from the line? Yes. You, you fucked around and almost got a triple-double by the sounds of things. So... Uh, unfortunately, there was a buy this week, but that, that is a really another fun reason to go to Sydney. But it's, it, this is almost a double podcast because is it true you're coming? When do you get to Melbourne? Down in Melbourne this weekend. Yeah, it's when, pretty exciting. When do you fly in, Big Cat? Mm, Friday, Friday night. In Friday night, Friday. Uh, FIFO. What in time? Friday out Sunday. Well, I'll, well, I'll just meet you because I'm going to some comedy. It's the last weekend of the comedy festival. Just meet you for a lager afterwards. Yeah, a lager. And maybe we should um, try and meet up with Okine. Yes, Matthew O'Kine, who will be our first guest. We promise you gold, we deliver. We always deliver. <laughs> and moving on to delivering, we thought it's probably time to deliver a segment. Oh, before we move on, we should just reconfirm today's theme of the podcast, which oh, is what women really want. And we're going to tell you what we think women want consistently throughout the show. So look out for those little morsels, especially you desperate and dateless guys out there who've been looking for the right tangent. The old uh, ghost whisperers, the horse whisperers, the um, Robert the Redford, sweet, sweet nothing whisperers. The two of us here, we'll, we'll talk you through yeah. it. Uh, so, what, what what do you think women really want, Joe? Um, yeah, I think it's a generalisation. It's it's over fifty percent of the population. <laughs> yeah, air, water, uh, shelter. Like I think actually, spe- all, all what, the, what women need and what, what women need. want. What women need. That's what women need. What women want. Women need need bread. <laughs> Dough. They need dough. The vernacular I was using then was me imagining I was a desperate and dateless guy. You see, so I'm pitching it towards those guys who have no idea, um, hypothetically, how to interact with the opposite sex, and I find they're often prone to that sort of terminology. Uh, and you've read the game multiple times, so it's, uh, you're an expert in their kind of mindset. Well, so hold the phone. What's the game? Explain that to to our listeners. The game. Well, you should because you're an expert in it. But you, it's you tell it, me, it, buddy. <laughs> it was a book written by a Rolling Stone journalist who wrote a fantastic book before it on... Uh, he, he used to ghostwrite um, rock and roll books and he wrote The Dirt, which is the seminal tell-all Motley Crue. Seminal. Uh, seminal. It's a great read. It's a, it is a great read. I think like, I think probably it's the most read book by young men. It seems like, like a lot of people that don't read have read it, you know, like with Shantaram and things like that. But it's pretty cool because each... Each um, character, each of the four band members, they get it's their point of view, and so they all interact and stuff. And and uh, uh, Vince Neil's a real motherfucker, and uh, you know Tommy Lee's obviously a famous guy on himself. It, it it was good, but then he he went from that, and he it's it's written from a mistruth really because he claimed he was impossible, he couldn't get his knee in anywhere, and uh, it was hopeless, and so he then s- sought the help of these um, what are they called play. What are they, you, I don't even know what they call it. Players? Yeah, let's People, go with that. Lock that in. Players or something like that. But it's, it, was, it was like a 
it was like a group of people that kind of came up with uh, rules. So it was in answer to the the book written in I think in the sixties or seventies uh, for women uh, rules on dating about you know never kiss on the first date. So they had their own rules and. Um, a lot of it's common sense, but a lot of it's uh, entrenched in kind of quite misogynistic uh, ways of preying on insecurity. Uh, but it, it is a, it's a really good read because he's a really good writer. But I just think he's, he's, extentu- he's ex- accentuated his own inability to pick up. Uh, and I, I, like when I read it, it, was a, it is a good read. But I kept thinking that it was, this is not the right book because it, it wasn't actually a, a book of rules. It was a real narrative because in the end he finds love and he realizes that that whole thing is empty. And he ended up with the guitarist from um, Hole. Hole. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge now. And, I, and, and women are onto it. They know when someone's running game. Uh, I have been approached, full disclosure, listeners. <laughs> to do the audio book? <laughs> I have been <laughs> approached by a quite a successful uh, entrepreneur to coach him in dating. Really? Yes, I have. And I, I said I wouldn't do it. I you said, should definitely do it. No, I, I, it was it was a few years ago now, and he's a lovely guy, and he's great. He was he was a lovely guy. He just in, in terms of his confidence levels and talking to the opposite sex, they just weren't there. And I suppose he thought I exuded that quality that he was looking for. But I decided not to proceed in that area because, yeah, similar to what you're saying, I just think when it comes down to it, if we're being really honest with each other, the most meaningful interactions are ones you go into where you genuinely want to connect with another human being. And if you have a, an approach or a, a way of interacting which is garnered towards success with the opposite sex, it's treating them like numbers instead of forging a genuine connection which is long-term and meaningful. It'd be... Well, but if your objective is just to have sex with as many people as possible, I think it would be even more popular now with just how how data is the kind of... Do you call it, do you say data or data? Data. Data. Well, this American is uh, data. They say data. Yeah. Well, that's it's kind of the most valuable. All those algorithms. What do you call the them, world? John? Yeah. What do you call them? Uh, Anglo rhythm. <laughs> lover, lover, lover. You don't treat me no good no more. Uh, uh, uh. What? Get it? What's the link? Son- Sonia Data. Oh yeah, but we moved on to algorithms and you went back to it. So you should have probably done it while we're still on on Anglo rhythms, but you know, because I'm ang- well, I'm not actually Anglo, am I? I'm Jewish. Well, you do it like aren't you Anglo? You're, you're Anglo Jewish, though, aren't you? Yeah, because Scottish, you're part Scottish. So. Oh yeah, yeah, fair call. You got me there. But you'd think, yeah, it w- you know, with analytics and all that sort of thing, um, you could um, it would apply to all that sort of stuff. Oh, big time, even more. Big time. Yeah. My observation of interacting with tech guys in the states when I've been on flights with them is within a very short period of time where I've had one lean over to me and go, it'd be so much better if that air hostess did the routine with no clothes on, am I right? <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, come on, wouldn't that be better? And I was like, uh, sure. And he goes, I mean, she's a solid 10. Or maybe like a, a 7. She's a 7. Is she an 8? from a like, 10 to a 7. <laughs> or is it, but what's, what's his agenda? Well, they're, they're just, why, why I think they're, they're trying, trying to, to bro down. Up. They're trying to bro down for starters. Oh. But they're often those guys that weren't, they weren't the jocks, so they weren't getting any girls. And now they've got lots of money and they still don't really know how to speak to the opposite sex, but they know they lust after them. And then so the way they try and bro down, it, to me, it's very much like they're like jocks, the tech guys. That number, the number thing's terrible. Yeah. I mean, who, you know, what's... But it's it, not surprising. It's objective. It's, it's not objective. surprising. But as you, exactly what you said before about algorithms and math it's and, and data or data, depending on uh, which way you go, it is that that's the area they live in it's but but it, yeah so that with the data stuff what one of his one of his big things is it's a numbers game so what they do is they because they coach these people i'm sure a lot of people know about it they uh 
they one of the first. It's like pledging. Like they they get all these nerds, and they have, first they obviously help you with your appearance, but then they also have you peacocking, so they get you to maybe accentuate one strange thing, like I don't know, dress up as a pirate <laughs> or something like that, or uh, you know, or do a magic trick or something like that. Sounds like this is pointed. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but then they get you to go to the mall and try and get fifty girls' numbers, and it just it just um, gets you to become less self conscious and not care and just see it as as reps. Yeah, I, I personally think one of the, the greatest um, releases, if you will, and I, I, I'm aware of the sexual connotations with that mm. terminology, in terms of getting numbers and interacting with the opposite sex is um, dealing with rejection. And that's a, that's a great thing about actors and help prime a lot of us is that you get used to getting rejected all the time and not taking it personally and, and feeling like you're going to throw yourself off a cliff. And you, you often see guys when they go out and about move on to a, a target, if you will, or someone they fancy or think they're, they're very attracted to and then they get knocked back and they just dive into a, a well of despair and like almost like they're Tchaikovsky about to throw themselves into a river. And you've just got to, I think, move past that and... Um, Put on a happy face. Well, you don't have to because maybe you're just happy not having sex with heaps and heaps of people. Sure, but if you if you really, but if that's what you want to do, well, if you want to also, the thing is, you might be so hangdog about this person that when it turns out, if you really interact with them long term, you'd find out wasn't that great a person that you might miss this amazing other person who's right in front of your very eyes. Mm-hmm. You're closing the door to opportunities, and I'm not, not saying there's the opportunities about getting your leg over, but maybe forming a, a meaningful connection with someone that we would never have realised is a wonderful, wonderful candidate for a life partner. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> so, this yeah, is what so, this episode's about, people, and we have been yeah. talking about dudes most of the time in relation to the way they perceive women. But I suppose it's all about talking about what you know. But I think we have been in the eyes, ears, and minds of women before. Am I? Am I not correct, Jono? Oh, I think you're completely right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Gentlemen Dorge, full disclosure in the raw. Raw, raw, raw. Well, I've dressed in drag. Have you, have you seen me in drag before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played Cleopatra uh, in a production of Antony and Cleopatra. At high school? No, it was at, it was at uh, uni. But I was, up, um, I was uh, playing opposite a, a very butch Kiwi lesbian. As Anthony, a redheaded Kiwi, and uh, it was really funny when she goes, "Oh, from these Egyptian fetters, I am, I am broken." She couldn't say fetter. Well, she could, but she said fetters. I think it was a, it was a pretty dreary production, and I was quite popular back then, and I made all my friends come along. And uh, yeah, I don't think they've ever told me to my face how bad it was, but I, I know now. Were you clean shaven through it all? Oh yeah, can't be bearded for Cleopatra. I um shaved my legs. Did you wear eyeliner? Yeah, yeah, they did the full bit, mate. Yeah, I didn't wear a wig, but I had long hair. Wow! I'll try and get some photos. Yeah, it's good. and obviously, yeah, fantastic. It's a good acting exercise. I really got into it. I, I was crying all the way through. Wow! Yeah, like really, a, like a girl. It. Yeah, because that's what women do. When you're playing that's a female, what... you have to cry, ask, "What do I do now?" Um, sob. Um, make use of your cleavage, generally be a victim. But what my uh, partner would like yes. is for me to, to show more emotion. She'd really like that. Vulnerability. I think I'm pretty vulnerable just by, you know, I'm just yeah, you're a real little pussy, guy. You? <laughs> but I, I don't cry in front of her and she'd like that. Sometimes oh, she like pokes cry? me with needles and stuff just to see if I'll cry, but I don't. She, what, what does she do to make you cry? Pokes me with needles, like little needles. Yeah. Georgie grabs me by the balls, like really hard. 
<laughs> the other day We're I was not talking about what Georgie she, likes. We're talking about what women like. Why, why did she do that? Just because she wanted to see. Yeah, she wants, I guess she wanted to see if it hurt. Wanted to see me, <laughs> wanted to see me in pain. She, that's more of a her thing. She likes, yeah, okay. Because she, yeah, she likes horror movies. I, I was pretty freaked out by how, how she wasn't scared of that horror movie that was so scary. Yeah, the one she, with the, the haunted cupboard. She's, she's watched a lot of horror movies. Yeah, and she watches them with like just like a, a, a just a, a, a kind of just confused. She just wants to know how they work. Yep. She doesn't find them scary. No, because you, when you've seen enough, it's just like any genre. When you've seen enough, you know the tropes, you know the rules, mm. and you, you're just looking out for the triggers and the points and seeing how it goes about it. Because it is trying to formulate a sensoric response, which is what men do when we interact with women behind closed doors. And can I tell you, I've been relatively unsuccessful numerous times. What are you talking about? Sex? Yes. Yeah, I was talking about sex. What did you think I was talking about? I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm trying to make... I don't know. Yeah. It's important to know the erogenous zones. Uh-huh. Do you want to talk us through that, John? Uh, the nipples? Yes. Yeah. What else you got? Belly button? No. No, that's not normal. How do you know? How do you know? Because it's some not, women it's love not, a good. No one. Cleaning. Does, do you know anyone that likes having their belly button played yeah, with? Is that good? Do, no, just a good cleaning. Just a good clean. <laughs> just get all that lint out. Sure, but it's not not, not an erogenous zone, in my opinion. No, no. The bum hole. No, no. <laughs> the perineum. I don't think so. A little bit of skin between. You like to go two? straight for that? Go straight for the perineum. <laughs> <laughs> what oh, are you doing? Perineum, me. <laughs> There's a guy. They call that, me. They call me the prince of the perineum. No. So the erogenous Jones, okay, come on, mate, um, talk me through them. Okay, the armpits? Yes. No, no, yes. no, that's no. not an erogenous zone, no. <laughs> Earlobes. No. Hey, hang on, hey, oh, let me do it. Well, you're terrible at the moment. Can I, the neck? What What do you say? The neck? Uh, yes, correct. Thank you. Ding. Uh, the uh, toes? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Eyelashes? No, I don't think so. Not eyeball either. No, vagina, look. It, vagina... <laughs> It sounds like vagina. Uh, I've got a special trick. It's ear- called kissing her vagina. <laughs> I've heard it's an ero- erogenous zone. And neck. What? Anything? Anything else? No. I, I think earlobes and neck are generally really solid go-to's. I think okay. if you really hit that area up in the right way, you're very rarely going to be told to exit stage left. Okay. But you can't do it too fast. You can't like, bef- you know, like. As you're giving her a corsage for the dance, just uh, at the door, just you've just you've just shaken Dad's hand, and then you just start kissing her on the neck and the earlobes. No, right? you, you can't do just that. Just for our 14-year-olds out there. That well, okay. First of all, I don't know why we're concentrating on sex so much here. Anyway, this is in terms of what oh, women want. I, I don't why. think. I wonder why. I don't think I started this. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think. With, that's. <laughs> this is just. Again, when we're talking about what women want, I, I think probably sex is not really. It doesn't seem to be a lot of the time extremely high. Uh, or as high on their list, to-do list, and I mean to-do, as men. Um, John and I once had a theory. Johnny, what was the theory about the the, the, um, the guys who just want to get there and then run away or something? Or did you have a theory? <laughs> uh, well, no, I think a lo- it's... I had therapy for this, but for for a while in my like early 20s, when, when I'd have sex, I would, yeah, then just want to leave. Like, I just wanted... I was like a, you know... a. Um, a wombat, you know, eats roots and leaves. Wow, that's um, terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. Oh, as if you haven't had that as well. No, it, was, no, I, no. it made me feel terrible. You didn't Actually, have that. If no. anything, I just sit there sobbing softly in a spoon <laughs> sort of position afterwards for sometimes days. I'd also get attached. I'd also scare them off. I'd get, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I used to yeah. do that. We should move on to our segments because it's <laughs> oh, segment yeah, time. Segments. Can I quickly ask, have you checked in on Tony? 
Yes, he's in the house. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's in the house. How's that going? Because um, uh, your housemate's not a fan. No, he's not. But, and how did it work? How, did you, did, how quickly did you find him, Tony Parker? Tony Parker at the old house in Glebe uh, was there. Do you really think people actually are as interested in Tony Parker three as weeks. you are? Well, maybe they they like that we share a cat and that that I you know that the guilt that I feel and you know makes okay. I'll, us both seem like a I'll good give person. you a quick just I'll give you a quick update okay just to satisfy you yeah. I think it's Great I've cat. got a sneaking suspicion it's you more than anyone else that it's listening but I'll give you a very quick okay. update Great. I went I went to the vet I picked up a a cat box to move him in uh, Andre texted me and said I'm leaving on the weekend so it'd be good to try to move him in this was on Thursday last week I took the box to the house <laughs> so you, so it was because Andre texted you. As I said, this is a quick update. So I went to the house, uh, opened the gate. There he was. Um, oh. I got him, tried to put him in the box, and he lost his shit. I think he pissed on me slightly. He screamed. He like bit at me. I let him go, and he was not going in that. It looks like a death trap. The cat box that I got from the, um, the veterinary clinic. It's the first time he's seen you in three weeks, and now you're trying to put him in a box. So then I had to put the box back in the car. I, uh-huh. I got some food out again. He gingerly came over i picked him up he didn't move too much when i just picked him up alone it was the box that freaked him out mm. took him to the car oh. and drove away and with him in the car oh. he was freaking out but then he sat on my lap for about half the journey and he was fine oh. once he was in my lap we got him to yeah. the house put him straight in the sauna because yeah. the veterinary advice was to give him in one room for as yeah. as long as possible yeah. put him in the sauna and he just stood under the bottom level of the sauna i've got a sauna in my house people uh, the, under the bottom level of the sauna and he stayed in that area for about two days without yeah. moving, um, I fed, fed him. him. He, he we got a, I got a little box in there, and yeah. he shat and pissed in there a little bit. And now, over the last two days, he started migrating and moving actually up and down the stairs and around the house. So he seems to have acclimatized oh, relatively quickly. He's a just an absolute gem of a cat. Mm. Oh, that's great news! And is he, did he sleep on your bed? Does he know how to get to your yes. room? Marley, my sister's up in Sydney this week, and she was slept in my bed last night. I slept at my partner's house, yeah. and he was in bed with Marley, so he's already made his way up uh, to the top level. So he's um, he seems to be making da- making it work. The danger's when he's allowed outside. What what he does? I think it'll be okay. I, we've had windows open that he could get out of, and he hasn't even tried. Oh, it's great news. All yeah, right, he, that's- he's surprisingly fine, which I always maintained he would be. <laughs> That's awesome. Gentlemen, George. Full disclosure. No holds barred. No holds barred. All right, let's move on to a segment. Now we've put Jono's fears to rest. Uh, I think it's probably time for something like belligerent burns. Shh. If you want to talk in oh, a this movie, is taking shh. too long. Oh, come this is on. taking too long. Oh, no. Oh, oh, this is a Shark. terrible manners. Terrible manners. It's not manners. funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's not bad just, just, anymore. Just, it's Belligerent Burns with It's an Outrage. Okay, Belligerent Burns. Uh, this week, I've been watching a lot of basketball and um, I, I love it. And I also love all the stuff in basketball that goes on on the sides, like the um, the kiss cam and all that sort of thing. But I've noticed that uh, whenever young white kids probably the age um, 10 and between 10 and 15 get on the camera. Uh, They just do this new stupid dance. They used to do um, dabbing. That was the thing that they stole off, um, off a quarterback in the NFL. And now they're doing this thing called the Russell or the floss where they have a deadpan face and they do this, this, their their arms go quickly from their front to their bum and back and back and back. And uh, it's uh, whitewashing and youth culture uh, at its worst and it just pisses me off. That's it, George. What whitewashing? How's it whitewashing? <laughs> I knew you were going to call me out on that. Uh, well, I don't actually. 
Well, the dabbing was. It was a cultural appropriation, taking taking like a, quite a cool thing that black athletes were doing it. And because it's easy, all these little white kids were doing it. Whereas it's, this is a bit more confusing because it is a white kid called Russell who's from, ah, oh shit, where's he from? He's from somewhere in the South. And he's become this famous guy. He's known as the Backpack, backpack Kid. And he wears this, uh, wears a backpack and does does this dance, uh, and everyone's just copying him now. Uh, and it's just kind of I don't know. I just it's just so vacuous and just so like memey and uh, it's like the selfie kid. Do you remember the selfie kid or Jake Paul or any of those kind of guys? Like these YouTubers. But I but I did a bit of uh, research on the uh, backpack kid. Yeah, like so because he got so many likes. Katie Fisher got him onto SNL with her. And he he did this did the dance so that upped his likes, but then she um she did a like a little Insta post of her trying the dance, and then he wrote uh, hashtag when your mum tries to dance. So he dissed her, and he was riding high, but then this is what I love about the internet or just how weird the world is. Then he um they found out that he shot a goat in the eye with a um air rifle and blinded a goat, and so um he did like a little apology said the goat's fine, and then had to do a proper apology, and he's mud, mud now. So it was like his, his Glenn McGrath moment. Yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> so you like the dab, but you don't like this? I don't like the dab. I don't like it when all the kids are doing the dab. I think okay. it's cool when Cam Newton, the quarterback, does it. Yeah. But I, I don't like anything when everyone just starts doing it. You like an individual type scenario. But you know, yeah. you know that the nature of adolescence and childhood is that one wants to, to conform and be the same, accepted. They just look idiotic. They look absolutely idiotic. They look worse with the dab. You know, everyone knows what the dab is, don't they? Okay, yeah, but, I think most people But, uh, yeah, but th- this is really crazy flossing. Google it. No, I'm on top of it. This is one thing I did point out to you when you said you wanted to talk about this was the fact that the Backpack <laughs> Kid has been around now for approximately three and a half to four years, so it's not exactly a new sensation. Well, um, it is for me, mate. It is for me, and it's infuriated me. It fascinated and infuriated me, so I had to talk about it. Uh, the one thing to worth thinking about is uh, news is about being what's fresh, and it particularly comes to news. memes. I didn't say it was news. It was news to me. But when it comes to memes and it comes to um, fashion, uh, if you're talking about stuff which is that old, you're, you're way out of touch. Mm. It doesn't bother you. Might be out of touch. Uh, I think I am out of touch. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm living in Melbourne with two cats. <laughs> I'm not. I've got. So I'm are you? Let us. I'm not at the coalface, mate. Like I'll, you. I'll segue into something a bit more current and now to show you okay. what, what I'm talking okay. about. Look, I'll but, be on the coalface. I'll talk about the comedy festival in a second. That's okay. That's, uh, There's a yod- have you, right Are you familiar with the yodeling kid right now? No, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, please. it doesn't surprise me. Um, Educate so, me. So fuck face. There's an amazing. Uh, internet uh, viral there's a there's a viral phenomenon and it's the uh-huh. yodeling kid yep. and it's this little kid in illinois and mm-hmm. in bumfuck bumfuck illinois uh-huh. and he's got a, a tiny town of 400 people and a walmart that's all they've got in the town and he's sounds gone like up. a beginning of a joke this sounds like the beginning <laughs> it's of incredible a joke. it's actually incredible what's happened yep. and this kid's into hank williams and in particular a 1949 classic of hank williams called love sick blues and he sure, goes what, sure it's not forrest gump no, and he and this little this kid's like eight nine years old, and he's been performing this, these songs of his for ages in the town, and he only performs at the Walmart because it's the only shop in town. Anyway, someone's recorded it, whacked it online, and it's gone humongous. It's gone like two and a half, three million hits overnight, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where he's flying out to Ellen. Ellen gives him a check for $15,000, said he's performing what? at this huge country music festival. Walmart's going to throw him at its own concert. Such youth culture. That's what I mean about whitewashing. Like they just like kids. Maybe it's because we're getting older and it's not going to happen for us that way. It's just annoying that they just love kids. 
Well, this anyway, what's interesting about this kid is he's kind of like a throwback to Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn. He like mm-hmm. even when he's on the show, he talks about I'm just a country boy. And he talks <laughs> about how he's like I like sometimes you're bailing hay and you just sit back and you put some corn in your mouth and you just like you put your hat down over your face and he's like a little eight year old, right? And then he gets up and sings these songs which involve yodeling yeah. and people are just frothing. It is I think a capturing of it's so innocent and it's um so. Yeah. Um, diversionary against what's going on in America right now. And that, but all the, the Trump supporters would like it too. Because that's true. That's true. It goes both ways. But this kid is pretty pretty fantastic and it's gone huge. It's got so huge now that baseballs are coming out to remixes of the yodeling song in the hmm. Major League Baseball. That's that's how big he's gone. And Hank Williams, this song Lovesick Blues, is now charting massively on Spotify. His one or the original? The original from 1949 just because of this kid. Great so, singer Hank Williams. Yeah, so that is one that is completely hot of the press. I don't know how long it will last, but the backpack kid's still going strong, as you, have you pointed out. <laughs> People like you are realizing about, about him four years later. So maybe the same thing will happen no, with the, the Walmart SNL boy. the SNL thing happened recently. It happened in the last was six months. A year and a half. Year, two years ago, we saw it. Two, early, early 2017 was when the SNL thing happened. But in regards to the yodeling kid, what was a bit stingy, I thought, about Ellen and Walmart is Walmart have got so much free publicity out of this, and they've given him, towards his college education, a massive check of 15 thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> well you can get more money fifteen thousand dollars I mean, do, you, do you know what you can do with fifteen thousand dollars in an american college education that can buy you a, a backpack it can buy you maybe a sandwich it's not going to get you through more than barely a semester well here he goes come on mate get get going you're I getting mean, the there price get, of get education angry. over there and this little kid's given walmart i'd say close to a million dollars worth of free advertising and they're going to give him fifteen thousand dollars well, I guess there's not many good entertainment uh, agencies. No, fuck you, Walmart. Fuck you, Walmart. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Walmart. Anyway. Well, I'll have to check him out because I love. I, I do like that sort of I stuff. I think you'll love it. I think you'll love but it. Ellen's obsessed with little cute kids. You can, you can trust me for the, for the hot off the press stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, I can. You're, you're good at that. You were good at um, Benjamin Franklin's killing this game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a, when you a get cool, onto something. You that was get a cool Jewish it. guy. Actually, speaking of cool Jewish guys, yeah. I can give you a movie review. Would you like my first movie review? I would, but uh, I'm going to be quite critical because you've been you've been slamming mine. Go for it. So Go do your best. We're coming up with Georgie Swallow's first and possibly only movie review. All right. So last night I saw <laughs> the original Postman Always Rings Twice with Georgina Dalton, my partner in crime. We're looking for something interesting but old school to watch. And I'm a big film noir fan. I've seen the remake starring, of course, Jack Nicholson and Jessica Lange, which I was a firm believer in. Some really sizzling hot sex scenes involving dough and a big fat Italian man who they take out. Spoiler alert. But this is the original, starring Lana Turner and, of course, John Garfield. Now, John Garfield is a fantastic actor. He was a precursor to Marlon Brando, to James Dean. It's very sort of Methodist, New York-based Jewish um, actor. What was very clear to all of us straight away is that Lana Turner was acting him off the screen and anyone else who dared to step on it. She was absolutely lightning. She was fire in this film. Um, She was discovered at 16, for the record, just having a milkshake in L.A., by some creepy old producer guy who then financed her career, got her to dye her hair blonde. She became the sweater girl, famously. That was her breakout role. She's on screen for five seconds, but she swept the nation as the sweater girl. I'm sure you can figure out what was special about the sweater. Let's just say it wasn't the knitwork pattern. Anyway, so she became huge. Um, she's fantastic in this film. It's a typical film noir, and I don't want to give too much away, but what I will say is it definitely... Um, obeys the tropes in terms of the female dies. The female never gets away with it. And in this film, yet again, it happens again. Very disappointing. But in terms of Garfield, I think he brings it. 
Um, he's incredibly creepy. When you talk about creepy old man in relation to yours, truly, I think Garfield takes it to another level. I think it's amazing how much they got away with. So he's not trying to be a, a male lead. He's actually being a baddie, is he? He's the, he's the postman. What? No, no. There's no postman. It's just a, that's the monologue at the end. What? There's yep. no postman? No. I hate that. Um, it's a, it, that's actually a great monologue at the end of it. Yeah. So it's a 1946 film. <laughs> what I will say about this film is yeah. it, it went on a little bit too long. Like this review. The, the acting is very dated. And, and in terms of film noirs, I think it's, it's just fantastic to look at this in relation to the differences between this and the 81 remake. It goes on much longer, the uh-huh. 46. It makes a bit more sense, I think, in a lot of ways. The 81 sort of cuts off. It cuts about 20 minutes off it, but it probably needs the snip. But overall, I think it stands up pretty well. But the creepiness from Garfield, and it's interesting you asked me about that, Jono, because what I do love about film noirs is it's the, the, it has that idea, the blurring of lines, the moral, morally ambiguous lines of the protagonist, which was the anti-hero type thing that Orson Welles was exploring as well shortly afterwards. And that's the thing I love about the film noir idea. It's coming up to something like Breaking Bad, the idea of this fatally flawed hero and often the love interest who's also flawed and I guess the pain they bring about everything around them and then the the judgment which they have to face, the, the comeuppance, which yeah. inevitably seems to occur, but sometimes doesn't. And that's one thing that annoys me often in film noir is the female cops it often and the guy doesn't. And that definitely appeased me. What I did like about this one, spoiler alert, is that they both cop it in the end. But uh, I think a solid film, maybe a little long out of five, I'll give it three. But uh, well worth a look, especially if you're a fan of the um, the remake, which I thought was a... a, a especially if you want to see the sweaty girl doing some of her best work. Oh, Lana Turner. I, so I was fascinated by her. I, looked, I spent a good hour after the film reading up about her and Garfield and their lives. Garfield got done in McCarthyism quite heavily. He refused to name names. He said he was a Democrat, mm, cool. um, but he wasn't a communist. But from the stress alone... He, his name was smeared. He didn't get any more work on screen after he got called up for McCarthyism. And he died at 39, six months Ooh. to nine months after. And about five other guys that were named also died in that period of time shortly he afterwards. died from stress, they reckon. It was stress, very, very stressful, awful time to be oh. turned against each other. Lana Turner, in terms of pain, uh, married eight times. Two people she Whoa. married twice. Never lasted more than two and a half years. And then famously... One of her partners was a gangster who was beating her quite regularly and her 14-year-old daughter stabbed him to death in protecting Lana Turner. What they said fascinatingly about Lana Turner is that her her off-screen persona and her on-screen persona definitely bled into each other to a tremendously large extent. And she was one of the first, they think, sort of actors where they almost helped each other. The the huge drama she had off-screen, the, the, the numerous partners, the scandals, the problems. When she's playing things like femme fatales, you can see straight away how that could have fed into each other. The uh, life being stranger than fiction and vice versa scenario definitely seemed to apply to her. And therefore, you know, the, the persona, the on and off-screen persona was very blurred and quite fascinating. Dundee head which is a quite, quite a, a apt metaphor for film noir. What, what would you say your favourite film noirs are? Double Indemnity, I, I really liked. Uh, Hard El- to say, though. Double, <laughs> double Indemnity. Double yeah. Indemnity. Yeah, double, that, yeah. double Indemnity. Um, double Indemnity. LA Confidential, I thought was pretty, yeah. pretty fab. Chinatown? Chinatown is very good. Yeah. Better than those two. Whoa. I don't know about better, that. Better than, better than, well, I actually haven't seen Double Indemnity. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's better than LA Confidential. It's it's considered the perfect screenplay. It's pretty good. Yeah, Robert Towns. But I, bit, I, it is a bit long, but it's I think it's phenomenal. And and then there's, then there's the blurring. I, I do like Touch of Evil. Yeah, Touch of Evil. I quite like. I thought Touch of Evil was pretty good. Amazing opening shot. This is getting a bit kind of nerdy. Body Heat. Body Heat. 
Yeah, I thought that was pretty that damn came good. Came up recently. I'm going to order that. Who's in Body Heat? Kathleen Turner and William Hurt from memory. Yeah, I like I like William Hurt. Yeah, he's good. Although when I saw him on stage in that STC play, Long Day's Journey Tonight. He, he's had some some big um, character. He was terrible. Things against his against him. <laughs> he was terrible. Uh-huh. He was like he was muttering all his lines under his breath. You couldn't you couldn't hear a single thing he was saying. But that's why he's great on screen. That's why it's fantastic on screen. The accidental was it the accidental tourist? He was good in that. He's, Very good. He won an Oscar. He won an Oscar when we were talking about playing um, different ethnicities for Oscars. He was one of the guys. I think he played. Really? I think yeah, an Asian guy. What was it Madam Butterfly? Was it Madam Butterfly? It was one of those. Oh, that's yeah, Tu Wong Fu. Yeah, he won it for Tu Wong Fu. That's right. He was a drag queen uh, Asian leper. Um, <laughs> very transformative. Um, really good. Thanks, yeah. th- thanks for the memories, Tu Wong Fu. Yeah, he was brilliant. Brilliant. Uh-huh. Is that is that a joke? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he didn't play an he Asian leper. Such... <laughs> I think he, I don't know if it was a leper, but I think he played an Asian drag queen. I think that's true. Aging or Asian? Asian. Look it up. You look it up. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Um, okay, so that- combative. This has been a combative. It's because we, we've we've we had such a nice time uh, in Sydney. I think it's you know like we've we've eaten. Up fuck something. you. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Don't don't tell me what sort of time we had. I decide what time I had. It's full disclosure. The Jono and George podcast. Um, okay, we have to move on. We're running out of time. So, well, should just, got- just quickly say, you know, just just comedy people out there, the Barry Awards have mm. been the nomina- the nominations have come out. Yes, and it's Lena and Woodley. Yes, to to stalwarts C- Celia Paquala. Yes, I can't say that name right. Natalie Palamides. Silly, silly Paquala. She's related to Manny. <laughs> I think so. Paquala. Okay. Uh, Natalie Palamides, and she did Laid, the one that I reviewed last time about the girl that lays eggs. Oh, the and egg she's one. She's actually. Yeah, and I've told everyone about it, but unfortunately she's been... Well, not fortunately for her, she's gone back to LA because she got a big TV gig. So nice. that's good news. Anne Edmonds, who I just booked a ticket for, for her alter ego, Helen Badu. I find her hilarious. She's very, very funny. Alex Edelman, Tim Key, Sam Campbell, and Rose Matafeo, who I'm actually seeing Friday night. So, uh, yeah, I've got, got to see a few of the Barry Award nominees. Who'd you pick? Who's my pick? Palamedes, absolutely laid. I, I, it blew me away. I saw That's it who you want to hook up with most? That's your pick? That's who you'd want no, to sleep no. with if you could have had to sleep with one of them? No, idiot. No. I'm very happy. It's called laid, right? Laid because she lays eggs. Um, I guess it's a play on both. It's obviously a play on both. Well, because I've seen it. She you lays eggs. You fucking idiot. It's obviously. <laughs> when else, when else, what else would it be a play on? Laying eggs. No, you're right. No, it's, 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 Lays eggs. It might not be a play. So yeah. Palamides, Palamides gets the Guernsey for most likely winner of the Barry Award. You heard it here first. Lay your punts on. 10% kick back to Jono if you do come good. But uh, George, big tip here. I did a tiny little bit of comedy myself because uh, our friend Zoe Broughton did a, <laughs> her, had her first ever comedy festival show. Yes. And because uh, she, she, she's a lawyer, a barrister, she, um, she sold out straight away because The Age did a two-page spread uh, on her like weeks before. So it was sold out before the show was written. And she did really well, mate. And uh, it was a pleasure to bring her on stage. She, her, her only brief to me was that I had to wear a tuxedo and that I had to be unfunny for two minutes and then she dragged me off the stage. And so uh, that, was, that was what we did. And I grew a moustache for it because I thought that was, you know, maybe it would help make me a little bit funny. Good with the tux and, too. Uh, yeah, with the tux, yeah. And Bill Shorten came on the... On the last night, and I got to mention him in the in you know I got to bring him into it too. Nice. And he shook my hand afterwards. Did you make a height gag? 
Uh, do you know what? He's taller in person. Uh-huh. He's taller, better looking, and more charismatic in person. And he's got soft hands. <laughs> That's always a, a wonderful quality to have. Soft hands. Not a soft hand shake, but just soft hands. And I reckon it's like the Blarney Stone. I reckon it's because he shakes so many hands. They've just been just worn into this silk. It was, it was a very... I'll, I'll, I definitely um, will vote for him now. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Bill Shorten has soft hands. So <laughs> this is you, edgy stuff. no matter what they say, what election promises they make, no matter what they deliver, no matter what scandals come to the fore, you can count on Bill. Because he's got soft hands, according to Johnny Burns. <laughs> Johnny's rationale for the vote is the fact that he has soft hands. Well, I'm sure Malcolm Turnbull has soft hands. Does that mean they'd both be pretty good in the slips, Gordon? Oh, that's a good... That's a good um, uh, I don't know. Maybe it means they've never worked a day in their life. Does it mean they'd be handy centre-half forwards? Stuart Lowe had notoriously big and soft hands. Does, but is it soft? I think... You yeah, catch like better you with get, soft hands. Do you? Yeah, if you have hard hands, you don't catch well. Oh. Yeah, if they're like just like soldering irons, they just go clang. You certainly don't catch the women, going back to our premise of this week's episode. And Bill Shorten is... If the I'm premise not... is not how to catch the women, it's what women want. <laughs> yeah, but you catch them by giving them what they want, isn't, you know, isn't, that, what, isn't that the premise? But speaking of catching women, apparently Bill, Bill Shorten was quite the, uh, the lad about town back in the day, is that correct? Uh, well, mate, let's, let's, let's not go there. LAUGHTER <laughs> We'll get our legal team on that. Oh, I've no idea. I've no idea. I can ne- neither confirm nor, nor deny any of that. Would you imagine, based on the way his hands felt, that he'd be good at touching people? <laughs> touching people? Yeah. Yeah, no, he was good at touching my hands. Yeah, soft, nice hands. What's it called? What happens uh, before you have sex? Or do you think he'd be good at that? <laughs> was that a test or you forgot? <laughs> do you think he'd be good at that? <laughs> or in your case... Uh, a hundred dollar ticket to something. <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? You're saying that I just pay, I pay, I buy tickets. In your to- case, in your case, uh, three hours of talking them into submission. So wait, so wait, is, your, your premise for me and the opposite sex is buy them expensive tickets and then talk them into submission. Uh, you once bought a girl um, a ticket to um, a music festival and as soon as she walked into the music festival, she just walked off. She didn't even. She's talk still to with the guy. She walked off with. It's kind of annoying. Oh, that's well. That's that's loyalty at least. I was. Furious. Yeah, I was pretty upset. No, you weren't. You know, that's that's what's impressive about you. You with your. I'll, I'll just pump you up for a second here, big cat, because you know I've been giving you a little bit of shit. Uh you are obviously were a ladies' man back in the day before you before you hung up the hung up the soft hands and you you know what you know you've got a lovely partner, Georgie. But I knew you at quite quite a few stages in your life, and you would you definitely your game was the the least offensive game because you it was always very playful. You always used a lot of humour, a lot of self deprecation. Uh, you, you obviously you know you a lot of hundred dollar meals, and um, like some of the other people that I met used more of the kind of negative. I guess if it's an art, um, they use the dark arts. They were in the they were the Darth Vader to your Yoda or um, or um, what's the other one? Obi Wan. You basically just just made them laugh, and also just didn't. You never took anything personally. So like you know you, the amount the amount of people that you were interacting with. Some of them, of course, you know, kind of were taking the piss. And that's what I really noticed is that you you just um, just shrugged it off, and uh, and often they would come back later. They'd come back another time because you didn't. They said, but my problem is if if I was if I was trying to um, get together with someone and then they were rude to me, I would just get belligerent and then they would just write me off forever. Whereas you would just shrug and 
go about your work. Whereas I kind of, yeah, got a bit, got, took it personally, which is really silly. <laughs> yeah, you don't want it? Well, fuck you then. <laughs> That's the worst. Those guys, that, that must they be are terrible. The They're terrible. Yeah. They hey, babe. Hey, babe, how about it? And like, oh, go away. Well, fuck you, you fucking lesbian. <laughs> it's so nice bad. to meet you too, Mr. McGrath. <laughs> So bad, so bad. Guys, so bad. guys, don't it's do a that. real thing. Guys, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. But no, they, but even if they say, you know, like, not even I'm not interested, I'm like, sorry, my boyfriend's here. They go, oh, fucking lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Actually, this is so a funny bad. one. Georgie was at um, a, a wonderful establishment in the middle of the city recently, owned by Justin Hems. I won't name the venue. And she's dancing away. And Why this- won't you name the venue? It's a, it's a Maryvale establishment in the middle of the city. I'm sure people can put it together. Anyway, she's dancing away, and this guy comes up behind and just puts his arms around and starts dancing behind her. And she and she turn, looks around and he goes, "What?" And she says, "I've got a boyfriend." And he and his reply was, "You gonna tell him?" She's like, "No." And then he and then he kept dancing with her, and grinding her even more. And she was confused because she said, "I've got a boyfriend," but I, when he said, "Are you gonna tell him?" I think he meant, "Are you gonna tell him what we get up to tonight?" And what uh, she thought he meant was literally, are you going to tell him that I just put my arms around you? And she, she said no. So the wires got crossed. I mean, there's a high probability he had a girlfriend as well. And he's like, are you going to tell what happens? I'm not going to tell. But, you know, you can see how that can be misinterpreted. Then what happened? They had sex. Um, and <laughs> she's, they had sex and she's actually told me that she's leaving me for it. He's, he's making a lot of money and um, it's just a better option. I don't blame her. It's completely understandable. I, if a guy used that move on me, I'd be pretty into it. I can tell you that. The old sidle up behind, grind in the rear section. I think we should finish off with our full disclosure for the week. I've had great success with this story of late. It's it's really, really been rocketing up the charts. I've had some people tell me that I tell the best stories based upon this particular story. (laughs) You've really really built it up, mate. Good luck. Okay, go. Okay. So we went, John and I and a few other friends who will remain nameless, went to a, a certain music festival. We can say what it was. It was called The Secret Garden. Yes. And, and we'd never, had a great time there before. We'd been to two before. Hadn't two we? before. Never has there been a more aptly named festival you'll see from this story because there was a bit of a secret garden involved. And at the first one, we dressed up as, uh, it's the picture, the, the, the you were the scarecrow and I was Dorothy and we had... That, that is from that festival. That is and we had the best time. We just had the best ever time. So that wasn't the first one though. That was the first one. Oh, no, the one before that we were... No, you're messing up. You're already messing up the story completely. All right, so (laughs) this is the third time we're in this festival. The first time we went as characters from the Karate Kid Part 1 in the skeleton outfits. We had a great time. Great time. Amazing time. Second time we went as characters from Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There's four of us. We had a great time. Amazing time. Third time... There was five of us because we had a mate as the dog as well. That's right, we had five, five of us, correct. This time around, we're on the way there, and as you'll probably know, dear listeners, there's a critical mass for a lot of things in life, and festivals, are, there's nothing more apt than a critical mass with a festival because they blow up. You look at your Burning Mans, you look at your Coachellas, and you know once a smaller type micro festival has lost its luster because there's just cops and people swarming all over it, and that wonderful positive energy that was once there that proliferated through it is well and truly dwindled to, to nothingness. Now, this festival was reaching that particular point, not unbeknownst to us. On the way there, we were told quite quickly, we're in a car with a certain young man, um, a lovely blonde young man called Matthew... Matthew Stevenson, Matthew Stevenson. And Matthew Stevenson got this phone call when we're halfway towards the venue, which is in Camden, which is 
And they said, look, there's cops everywhere. And we had quite a lot of substances on us. Almost, I wouldn't say fear and loathing in Las Vegas level, but we had quite a lot. We had MDMA, we had pot, um, we had cocaine. We had a lot of stuff on us. And uh, and Matthew Stevenson's genius idea to begin with was to, he goes, there's dogs everywhere, guys. What we're going to have to do, I've got this great idea. We'll get the weed out and we'll rub the weed all over the car <laughs> and that'll confuse the dogs and they won't find everything else. And everyone else in the car just looked at him I think I was the first to. I, I was like, that is the stupidest idea. I didn't know him, so I, I didn't know what a good guy he was. I just thought he was an absolute idiot. He has had like what ha- hair down to the, the small of his back. It's a pretty oh, loose unit. Okay, mate, you can't have long hair now. <laughs> get a haircut and get a real job. If, if you're a man, Jeez. you shouldn't have hair too long. Get a get a fucking haircut. <laughs> Join the fucking navy. All right, anyway, so he suggests that we smear the car with weed and we kibosh that idea very quickly, point out that drawing attention to the vehicle probably isn't the smartest idea. So he, he's Are you going to bring in the other guy, our stress head friend, though? He was pissed off. We had another stress head friend come in called Ben Smoothings. Now, Ben Smoothings, <laughs> who's a notorious stress head, a real worry ward, but also great at planning and logistics, to be fair. And somebody has to be that guy, guy. to some extent, sometimes, I think, in, in a big group of great friends. Great guy. He, just, he shits the bed. Anyway, so moving right along, he's, he comes up and he's like, guys. Not good in a crisis. Guys, there's dogs everywhere, all over the entrance. I'm going to go bury some of the drugs near the entrance <laughs> and come back later. But if I was you guys, I'd think about something maybe like putting it up your bottom or something like that. And we're like, oh, God. And then uh, there's three you know, grown men looking at each other. Uh, we've got Matthew Stevenson, Johnny Burns, Dorji Swallow, and we've got substances. But it's not substances not just for each other, but also for many other people in the group. We somehow got yes. lumbered with being essentially mules. Yes. And we realized- Coyotes. That we're going to have to stick these substances up our bottoms. It becomes very clear. It's the only way which forward. I'd, which I'd never done before. Dodge, Dodge has done it for I've you. I've never done it before. <laughs> I've never done it before. Don't stitch me up like that. Don't do me like that. Okay. I'd never done it before. So so what happens is uh, we acquire some condoms. I think Matthew um, yeah, Stevenson got no, condoms. No, we had to buy them, yeah. Oh, we bought the condoms. We went, went yeah. to the, the, the BP, bought the condoms. First time you'd ever bought condoms, you said. <laughs> I just don't like them. I'm not a big fan of rubbers. Uh, <laughs> I just don't feel good. <laughs> but that's another story. That's another story. In terms of what women want, it's probably pretty high up there. So maybe we should put it in this episode. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of rubbers, of, of latex. It doesn't I don't feel good. You're allergic. Don't you tell people you're, you're allergic. I'm allergic. <laughs> anyway, so we, we grab the, the rubbers. Um, we, we come up towards the festival. We pull, us, we pull aside about half a K to go. And we, this is quite a momentous moment. We stop. We, we move to the side of a ditch. We pull out respective condoms. <laughs> we try and figure out who who puts what up our bottoms. I think Pat, uh, I think Matthew Stevenson ended we drew up putting straws, didn't we? Because no one wanted the marijuana. No one wanted the weed. That's right. We drew straws. <laughs> keeping in mind, a, a little bit of a disclosure. We're not youngest men at this stage. I think we're already into our early early to mid thirties. Anyway, so we we pull out the straws. I draw. Is that is that why you said that? No, just pathetic grown men drawing straws. Yeah, you don't want. Yeah, that's what I kept saying at this stage. In I didn't. I thought I was past this stage in life. Like I thought I reached the age where I'd never have to do this. We draw straws. Yeah. I draw the long straw, which means I get stuck with the fifty dollars worth of. I think it's a, a, a fifty bucks worth of. I think it's one hundred and fifty bucks worth of weed. Anyway, I've got a big lump of weed that I, I have to try and ram up there. Jono draws. I think the medium sized straw. He gets the um, the MDMA, and and Matthew Stevenson gets the LSD, which is much easier. So. Um, Jono, we all put in our little condoms. We all walk away sheepishly, try not to look at each other in the eye <laughs> and pull our pants down and just try to leverage it up there. We had a pack that would never tell anyone as well, but it's funny that it's come to this, but yeah. Yep. Okay, so we, we stick it up there. We, yeah, we say no one's going to talk about it anymore. What's done mm-hmm. is done. Drive up, 
sure enough, we get through, get through the past the cops, okay, past the dogs. Oh, but as we like, drove by, there was a guy with his shirt off, that's right, on his knees, yeah. with surrounded by dogs. Yeah, dogs this is a pretty, separate. this is a teeny bopper festival, hipster yeah. festival, yeah. with his hands above his head, like he was fully yeah. getting arrested. Yeah, it was like Compton. It was like when we drove through Compton. <laughs> so our stress head mate was was in the right. You know, he was in the, it was on the money. He often is on the money. To be fair to, there were dogs. Ben Smoothings. Ben Smoothings yeah. is often right, and he was right in this case. A good so, guy. Good guy, him, Ben. I call him the captain sometimes. Yeah, the captain, the captain, yeah. captain Ben Smoothings. Anyway, so we get through this area, and it's by this stage it's getting towards dusk, and we we probably now we look back with the benefit of time, maybe should have got things out of our system straight away, but we thought we better get the we had to get the the tents up before it got dark. You know what it's like when you're being being seasoned campaigners, like many of you are, I'm sure, dear listeners. It started listeners. to rain. It started to rain a little. So we get out there, we start hammering the nails. Um, we we get nice and low <laughs> as we're hammering in the nails, and once we finish. I go, okay, John, we, should, we better get it out now. Cause I hang, was on, feeling, hang on, hang on. You forgot the fly. You forgot You forgot part of the tent. Or is that another festival? Uh, yeah, I think that, that's... A, it's that's every festival, isn't it? You always forget a big part of the tent. Well, it's, I, don't think it's impor- I don't think it's important to the story. It is, because that's why we're spending more time. We had to like make friends with our next-door neighbours and get like borrow bits from... Oh yeah, okay. Well, there's, but there's a bit of the tent missing. We had to bum some of the, the, the fly, which goes over the top of, the from pun. the people next door because yeah. we didn't have it, and it was raining, yeah. and we're freaking out. So we, we successfully bum, and I use the word bum aptly, the um, fly from next door from some lovely girls next door, yeah. and then we we move into the tent, and I say, John, we quit. We better get it out now. It's important. <laughs> um, and so I gradually start. Then I put it quite far up there, and I managed it because there is a supposedly a, a, a shelf. They call it shelf. That's a why shelf, it's called shelf. Yeah. There's a shelf up there, and I managed to pull it out, and there it is in the condom. There's no. There's no fecal matter on it. it looks okay maybe a bit smelly but all good i'm, I'm relieved yeah. it's over meanwhile i look across after managing to remove the the trusty article and see jono still fumbling around in, in a slightly uh, heated fashion looking more and more pale white. and ashen white as face. a sheet white as a sheet george yes he, he looks he looks <laughs> concerned he's still fumbling down there and i said jono jono what's what's going on and he said um it's not there <laughs> and i said what i don't have it i said i don't have it i said what what do you mean you don't have it and he says, it's, it's not, it's, it, it's not, I, I can't, it's not there. And I said, well, okay, mate, you've got everyone's MDMA up there. You've got me about 500 bucks worth of MDMA up there. It's pretty important you find it. And if you don't find it, it means it's right up in your system and it could break and you could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And at that point in time. I don't Jonas think you said that. Even I don't wider. think you even said that. You said, you said to me, I go, yeah what, if, yeah, what if it's still up there? And you go, I don't even know what to tell you. You looked angry with me and I, I was, thought I could die. Yeah, well, I was concerned. No, I was. I was you were not. You were concerned it was, about it was the column drop, A yeah. and column B. You maintain it was all column A. I, I was at first. I went from it's like the five st- stages of grief. I went from <laughs> I went from disbelief to anger, yeah. and then you know I gradually came to terms with things. But anyway, so I said, look, look, considering it could be right up there and it might might have broken, you better go and shit try and shit it out. So Jono rushes off. <laughs> Jono. I wouldn't say rushes off, gingerly walks off (laughs) towards the toilets. I'm sitting down there, head in hands, or my hands weren't touching my face, but I was pretty concerned. (laughs) And at that point in time, I have a little... Because it would be shit on your hands. Yeah, did you? (laughs) Hopefully you washed your hands. At that point in time, I have a a little brainwave that I have a look around outside the tent where we're we're punching in the pegs. Well, should we go to to me in the toilet? Let's, let's, because this is... Obviously, I'm the only one that knew about what happened here. Well, sure. I mean, I've never you talked me through that. Yeah, it's probably the first time I've ever talked about it. So I went went to the toilet and I started, yeah, just trying to trying to squeeze squeeze out something because I, you know, was worried it was you know stuck stuck there, and yeah, it was really really gross. I, you know, like I, 
<laughs> and like toilet paper and I was basically just with toilet paper in there like just trying to take stuff out and you know I found quite a lot of stuff that I hadn't found for a long time it's a remote control up there <laughs> it's my MCC membership that I'd lost a boat license but alas no no MDMA and so yeah I um I was really worried now because I thought if, if it's exploded up there like you know I have no idea do I die do I get really high um, and I, um, it was raining now and yeah, I shit under my fingernails. And <laughs> <laughs> so grumpy. did you manage to, did you, you didn't really, did you manage to push any turd out? I did a little turd. Yeah. I pushed a turd out. So then I had to like, how big was a turd direction? <laughs> it was little, it was quite little. Bigger than your finger. It was like, it was, you know what, actually it was, the good thing was because it, it was like, um, uh, like a wombat poo or a, a kangaroo poo. Like it was like a perfect little little rock i think the stress made it just like a, quite dehydrated so there was nothing sloppy it was quite okay, it was that's, that's enough it was information like <laughs> it's like rabbit poo. It was like rabbit poo anyway so at this point in time I, while john is doing going through this uh, fascinating process i'm outside with my my phone torch just looking on the outskirts of where we're punching in the um the tent tent pegs and funnily enough <laughs> there i spot a condom and a little bag of mdma and i pick it up very carefully because I know where it's been. Have a, and little, have a little try. Just take a little take a little taste. No, I did not have a little taste. <laughs> El Jefe gets a little taste of everything. I was <laughs> contemplating whether to tell Jono for a bit or to hold off on a bit before I told him, but... That's I, evil, dude. I, I, don't, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of it, but I did contemplate. But it. why? Because you thought it was funny or because you wanted to punish me? Or column A, column B? No, it was probably a little bit of both, but I just think you, you, the question mark in my head is how far did you put it? <laughs> I didn't put it far, exactly, because I didn't want... Yes. But then the irony is then I put my hand up there anyway, so I should have just... Because what I had... You're like Lana Turner, you, you got your comeuppance, mate. I have a lot of um, old underwear, and so I, I was wearing like a pair of uh, like old... They're, they're briefs, they're meant to be tight, but because... They were quite old. They were like a yeah, bit I saw like them. They sleeve. were falling apart. They had, there was they no elastic apart. in any of them whatsoever. They were just sagging yeah. around your ankles, pretty much. So basically, basically, I just, I just had it, you know, like just touching my bum, <laughs> and yeah, while we, while we were putting up the tent, it went through my, through my boxer shorts, through my shorts because I was wearing shorts and just fell out. But yeah, I was pretty relieved when you told me, and uh, yeah. I mean, you, you told me pretty quickly that you weren't going to... I mean, you should have been running to the... You could have saved me another kind of plunge. If you'd... <laughs> I'd only found it right towards the end. But the thing is, you did... The problem for Jono was, after he did come back, well, it seemed all well, but he, his fingers literally smelled like shit. <laughs> so it was very hard for him to interact, I think, at the festival that night. I, was, I did leave... I give him a fair bit of room when I was interacting with others. Just tried to get a little bit of space because he was a real social deadweight. Uh, <laughs> you don't really want your mates thinking like shit in their hands. Hands. And he did. His hands literally smell, smell like shit, like really, really a, shitty nail smell. We didn't have a good festival as a result. No, and there was another friend of ours who was friends with Ben Smoothings as well, and him and his other friend Dave Tuna. Dave Tuna and, and James Mick, we'll call them. Dave Tuna and James Mick found out about it, and they went through the same process of uh, getting... Con- they got lube as well, which is quite <laughs> interesting. They got lube and condoms, and they did it side by side. In the, in the, They had their own cubicles to put their things up there. And when James Mick arrived, they did he, it a different way as well. They had a what, they had like a decanter, and they they stood on their head, and the other one would just hold hold up, uh, open their legs, and put like the decanter into their bum, and then just 
just put the drug and it just went straight in. So that was quite a clever way. Maybe it was clever, it. but unfortunately, the whole process pissed James Mick off so much that he barely talked to anyone for the entire <laughs> festival. He was so that angry. Was the first time I met him, yeah. And traumatized yeah. by what had occurred. Yeah. Um, he never, I don't think he ever envisaged himself putting something that size. He, he, had, he drew the short straw like myself. He put a bong up, with, up there, didn't he? <laughs> he ended he up with the, the weed. <laughs> And I guess that one of the reasons my sympathy for Johnny once I found it was a little bit less was when I saw how tiny the little bag was that he had to put up there in comparison to the humongous amount of weed that I had to wedge <laughs> up my own buttocks. Yeah, well, and yet- I suffer. I suffer more. <laughs> you know, I really... And I didn't really even put it up there. So, yeah, the irony is, yeah, that, that then I had to put my hands in there. I mean, my bottom's never been the same. I, I- <laughs> you make like- Whenever Georgie goes anywhere near that, I start screaming and recalling. It's like you know, it's like I've been to Vietnam or something. I shouldn't, you know, it's like I've been traumatized heavily. I hear like I hear like choppers ahead above, and it's awful. I've PTSD from the weed up my bottom. Yeah, so you know, some people recover better than others. It wasn't a good party because we were in our mid thirties, and it was very, it was very much a twenty one year old party, and we had a big because we had such great successes with our uh, costumes up until that point. And doctor, this and rash that comes and goes. Can you tell me what it means? God help me. I was only 33. <laughs> he probably, yeah, probably 33, yeah. And uh, we went as French Kiss, which was quite no. confusing. So no. we went as the, the members of Kiss. So no. we did the cool face paint, but then we wore mime gear. And what, I wanted to go as something else. It I rained. Wanted, what was I pushing for? I don't know. I was pushing hard. I wanted to be Vikings. And just like, <laughs> I guess I just wanted to be an alpha and just like, and, and you're like, no, no, no. That's too aggressive. But as a result, because it rained and we were 35, we just looked like really scary clowns. <laughs> we looked like ghoulish, scary clowns. With, with shitty, shitty smelling hands. <laughs> like, just doing, literally doing shit mime. And people were just scared of us. People were scared of us. Yeah, so also, was, I think the drugs that we got weren't the best. And we were scowling. scowling. <laughs> you look at the photos now and everyone's like grimacing and scowling with this like smeared makeup. It looks like something out of a horror movie. And no one knew who Kiss was out of that demographic. So, yeah, it was a, it was a big fail. It was a huge <laughs> fail. And uh, that's when you famously said to me, which I've, I've, taken, I've taken on board because you were like, uh, I think I was on cocaine or something and I had a scowl on my face and I was like chewing. It was MDMA. You're, like, you're on MDMA. Yeah, you don't look like you're having fun, mate. Like you say you're having fun, but you're like, <laughs> you look in pain. And I think about that, you know, when I say no to drugs. Like I really need to want drugs now because you just yeah. don't want to. You know, have have a bad come down, and also the the face doesn't really lie with that sort of stuff. Are you yeah. having a good time? If you're like fully grimacing, <laughs> you're having the best fucking time. Yeah. Just yeah. go home. I just think you have to be in a positive headspace when you do anything in life, but especially when you socialize. When you're socializing, you want to be positive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not, if you're not positive, you know. Hey, listeners out there, if you're not in a good frame of mind, fuck off. Don't go outside. <laughs> no one wants to see you. And, and you know what? This goes for people that are serving people in restaurants and stuff like that. If you don't like your job, then just don't do it. Do something else. Because I, I don't understand why I cop so much chewed from people that clearly hate what they're doing. Just do something else. Oh, come on, mate. That's a bit... It's not very empathetic. Well, I mean, I it's how, much, how hard is it to just be a little bit positive towards another person? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's, it's not really not that hard. It costs no. you nothing. Real, real segue, mate. But that was a cracking... Um, <laughs> Full disclosure, that was good. Yeah, yeah was we'll a good have one. a few um, ones that we we were in together, but that was one we were really in together. And that was, uh, well, let's not go too Bonded. far. I wasn't in it. To, we weren't quite in it. Well, we were in it simultaneously. 
I wouldn't say we're in it together because otherwise I would have been ramming it up your bottom and you were <laughs> ramming it up mine. That would have been in like, it together. Like James Mick and, and uh, David Tuna. Before we wrap up, John, any final words on what you think women really want from the opposite sex? Well, I think, I think they just, I think, you know, I think they they want what everyone wants. I think they want to be understood. They want to be respected. Uh, they want uh, they want to be valued. Uh, they want to have fun, as Cindy Lauper said. Uh, as Mel Gibson said, they want chocolates. That's what he said in um when, in the the special features of what women want. But uh, yeah, I think it's um, I think they just uh, they just. They want to. They want to. They want a place for themselves. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. I mean, I don't know. I, I think. Yeah, they want. They want what we all want. Okay. Yeah, it's not bad. I'll, I'll I'll counter with mine before we finish mm-hmm. up. I think in a world which has been subjected so heavily to the male gaze in every sense, through they publications, are over, aren't they? especially in Sydney, very homosexual. <laughs> through publications, through art, the female gaze. The are you gonna let me do this? Are you gonna talk me? Are you gonna talk over my <laughs> chance? I didn't say a single well, thing while you were doing yours. All right, all right. In a world for, for a long time, dominated by homosexual men. <laughs> You're not letting me do it. All right. Sorry. If you look through art, if you look through theatre, if you look through film, if you look through literature. The male gaze is prevalent, always has been. And that means females have been subjected to objectification on a very large level. Uh, they've been By pig- Georgie Swallow. <laughs> no. They've been pigeonholed. They've been told who they are, what they are, what they should be, what is allowed and what isn't allowed, what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. And I personally think that females now probably have had you know just about enough of it. <laughs> I think the idea that gender is fluid, and we've spoken about what we want today, but some people say that the idea of gender full stop is outdated. As John kind of was getting at, it's more about people. We hear about people in terms of sexuality saying, I'm not attracted to gender, I'm attracted to people. I think, you know, the, the, the more we can probably rid ourselves of this concept that someone's from Mars and someone is from Venus, the better. I think when it comes down to it, if you respect the other person, if you genuinely enjoy their company and don't want anything else but their company, then you'll probably find yourself spending more time with them. And when that happens, you'll find yourself probably slowly either forging a friendship or even a family member or a loved one. And when you have those things happening, they can only happen when you truly enjoy someone's company for who they are and for what they are without thinking about them as an object, without thinking about them as another organism or another animal. It's just another human being. If you think of it as, I wouldn't say a version of yourself, but when it comes down to it, if you can see that there's someone else there who has their own feelings and who has their own thought patterns, which are there, and if you can interact with those, then you've got a true chance of actually becoming close to another human being. In my mind, there is nothing more rewarding and nothing more special than becoming close to other human beings. Beautifully done, mate. In uh, really concise as well. On that note, Joan, would you want to wrap us up with the uh, What Women Want episode? This has been What Women Want. I, I apologize to our one female listener. We do realize, uh, sorry to interrupt, we do realize how hilarious <laughs> is for men to be telling women what they want. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been great. It's been a good full disclosure. We had Dorji's first film review, which is, I look forward to more of those. Uh, and next week, Dorji's going to be in Melbourne. We're going to go to um, a huge 40th, so we'll be debriefing that. Uh, 
We might try and drag in with some comedy as well. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what his take on Melbourne is after I had a very positive time in Sydney last week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to you every week from Sydney and Melbourne. It's Full Disclosure. The Jono and Dorge Podcast. Jono and Dorge. Full Disclosure in the Raw. Raw, raw, raw. Jono and Dorge. Full Disclosure.